support the work of Strike Seven Sports by heading to Fanatics.com and purchasing officially licensed gear from the NFL, the NBA, and more. Each purchase made through the text link below goes into the funding of the Strike Seven Sports brand. To proceed, go to the link StrikeSevenSports.com forward slash Fanatics. I say again, StrikeSevenSports.com forward slash Fanatics. Thank you. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, Derek Brent, here StrikeSevenSports.com. This is the episode of Strike Seven Sports Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Bottom, Leo the Seabury. This is another episode of Strike Seven Sports Podcast. So, we're going to go right into it. Y'all, y'all know what went, what, what went down this past weekend. College football, the official, I would say the official opening week of 2023-2024 season. And in this pod, this episode will be about strictly about pod, uh, college football and reaction, our reaction to what went down. More in particular with, you know, I would say four, you know, blue blood. You, yeah, I would call them blue blood programs in the country right now. And we're going to start things off with what went down on Sunday night down in Orlando with the 45-24 beat down by the Florida State Seminoles, you know, led by former Memphis Tigers head coach Mike Novell. And, uh, you know, the beating – the LSU Tigers for the second straight year under the head, the watch of Brian Kelly. As you know, as you remember from last year in the Superdome, LSU went, was going for the tie. Florida State blocked it, got the win. Went on to have a successful season. Went, went, got back to a double-digit winning um, record on the Mike Novell. They're going to this season, and a lot there were a lot of high expectations on on their team. And I've saw their roster and watched the game. It looked, it looked really good. Johnny, not yet. Johnny um, Wilson, Keon Coleman is good as advertised, along with uh, Jordan Travis, the quarterback. So, with this win and LSU losing this game, and a lot has been said about LSU and clue myself the way Brian Kelly has managed his team so far. Is it fair to re- overreact? or not overreact to what transpired this uh, past Saturday, this past Sunday in Orlando. Your thoughts, please. Um, I'll leave with this one. I, I I think that it's fair to make – I think you can make assessments without making overreactions. And that's where you have to really make it to. Uh, over, uh, uh, I think a good assessment is that LSU uh, secondary needs help. That's a, that's a good assessment. An overreaction would be saying LSU is not a good team. So you that's where you see a lot of people on, you know, social media, uh, QB, QB, what do you call it? QB armchair quarterbacks. And, you know, Monday morning quarterback, yeah. Yeah, Monday morning. Well, in this case, Tuesday morning quarterbacks. Well, yeah, with, yeah. With Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, you got guys, you know, we, we, we going into this game, DB, we thought it was pretty even, pretty toss-up, you know, pick. I picked Florida State, but I knew LSU had a you know worthy passing attack in the defensive line with Harold Perkins. Ooh, ooh, he wasn't much of a factor, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but but we're not talking about him. Um, their defensive secondary is really bad. Got really picked apart. Um, Florida State had their way offensively, but it's also a statement of how LSU. LSU didn't just play a scrub team. They played another top 10 team. Like, 
Yeah. This is what we expect Florida State to look like this. Like we expected Keon Coleman, who was um a very big time receiver last year at Michigan State to make plays. We didn't expect him to catch three touchdowns, but we knew he had the ability to make plays and knew that Johnny Wilson and company and uh led by Jordan Travis would be a formidable group. And however, what I was most disappointed was what LSU's offense. That's the biggest takeaway too. Like they didn't get much done offensively. It was some garbage points late, but you know, those games are already over at this point. Jane Daniels, he had his struggles. He had his struggles. And what was supposed to be a coronation, a beginning of a, something special for his senior year, he got to a rough start. But LSU was not far from done. They're you're in the SEC, plenty of resume opportunities. You play in the West. Plenty yeah. of chances to get your ish together. So I don't think it's a, a death meal for them. They didn't lose to Northern Illinois or somebody like that. So yeah. LSU, they have to get their shit together, though. They have to. Like, they're going to have to fix their defense. You're going to have to get a consistent run game. And you're going to have to make Jane Daniels as good of a quarterback he is. Teams don't respect him enough to, for him to beat him with his arms consistently. They don't. They don't. They don't. So, and Florida State didn't. So, when we see his full potential together, which we'll see probably against Grambling, y'all, they play Grambling. So, no disrespect to Hugh Jackson or anything, but that's gonna, they're gonna be in for a rough game. God bless his soul. But so, that's when he'll probably have a bounce back game. But LSU has to get their stuff together. But I'm not gonna overreact to they're not a, a good team. Right. Yeah, um, that was a really, really interesting game to watch. I think I take more of FSU as legit, and LSU maybe isn't what we thought they were going to be, but they still can have a good year. Um, that That's my main takeaway from this game. But like you were saying earlier, Leah, it's just one week, so a lot of people tend to overreact. But um, we can take away some things that both teams did well and need to improve on, but I don't think we should say their season's over. But the one that I'll say about LSU, if they lose again, then they're probably not going to make the college football playoffs. So their margin for error has gone away. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much better they get. And I really the, – the, and I'm, they have probably have a really good reason for why they're doing this, but why aren't you using Harold Perkins and where he was thriving last year as a pass rusher? I, I don't understand that. And I'm assuming they just maybe feel like he's the best option where they're playing him. But that was just the one thing that made me scratch my head. And then um, the offense, I think it's usually early in the year, the offense takes time to get going. So if it continues to be an issue, then maybe we can have that conversation. But I don't need offense. You should worry too much about it. But um, if they can find a way to get Harold Perkins back in that role where he was thriving last year, that's what I would try to do. But um, other than that, I don't think it's the end of the world, but they better figure it out and figure it out quickly because SEC isn't forgiven. Um, now, but I don't feel sorry for you. And it can get out of hand quickly if you're not careful. Um, as for me, um, I don't think it's an overreaction. To what happened? It's not worth. It's not worth the loss. It's not an overreaction to what occurred on Sunday night. But you know the thing about Week One, regardless of it's the NFL or college football, is that 
you know, some of the you know the bad habits, the bad traits you see in week one. That's a chance that it could transfer into the midway portion to the latter portion of the season, or it could just be that week one. He just had a you know a booboo in that first week. We never know. But as far as LSU, man, it just and I said it yesterday as well, man. Brian Kelly got to stop treating this like it's Notre Dame, bro. You got to stop thinking like you're playing in the, in the, against independent opponents. You know, you are not independent opponents, but act as if you're an independent team with a schedule that's, I would say, kind of like, and when the games, if you ever watched Brian, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame with the play calling and stuff, it's like it's passive. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's kind of afraid because he had, he may, he probably thinks he has a lack of talent at certain positions. So his play calling is kind of very conservative, you know what I'm saying? And they put up points and all that, but it's kind of like, let's be careful with this. LSU, you, you can't do that, man. You got, you got the guys, man. You got the horses on both sides of the football to be explosive. You know what I'm saying? And Harold Perkins, what I heard, the quotes I got is that they did that. They made him like a stationary linebacker, like a middle linebacker. It's because they're trying to prepare him for the pros at the professional level. So my reaction to that is you need to be using Harold Perkins' skill set to your advantage, not worry about what the NFL, how the NFL perceives it. You know what I'm saying? And once he goes to the combine, he's out of your, he's under your, he's no longer under your watch. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty sure the NFL was going to use, whatever team he goes to, they're going to use Harold Perkins the way you're supposed to use Harold Perkins, not a stationary linebacker. I'm pretty sure, unless you come to the Saints, because the Saints like to take rookies and play them out of their position for some reason. They do that. But I'm pretty sure they're going to use him the way they saw him was used last year. So you got to use this kid the best of your advantage and not worry about what's going to happen for him at the NFL level. And I understand it's the intent. I think it's good, but you got to use this guy to your advantage, your skill set to your advantage. Um, Quarterback, man, I mean, Jane Daniels. I mean, you can't put it all on Jane Daniels, but, you know, man, (laughs) the wide receivers, bro, this, this ain't. This ain't Jordan Jeff. This ain't Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase out there, man. The league neighbors may not be what we think it is. Think he is. You know what I'm saying? Um, shoot. Running game, there ain't no Clyde Edwards Alaire out there. It just, it just look vanilla, man. The play con just look suspect, bro. But they got they got time, man. This is just the SEC. They got time. They got a lot of opportunities on the schedule. To get things right, you play Mississippi State after Grambling. You play Ole Miss. That could be an issue, I think, because I think uh, what's his name Lane Kiffin could do the somewhat the same things that Mike Norvell could do to your your defense. So that could be an issue. You play Missouri. I think that's a win. Auburn. It's Hugh Freeze, but like I said, it's year one for Hugh Freeze. So yeah, that's a win. Is at home. You play Army. It's a layup. And then you got the bye week before you go to Tuscaloosa where after the bye, your season is on the line. So you got this low. You took this L. It's still early, but the margin for error is slim. So they got time to make up for it. 
You know, if you get tripped up at uh down in uh Ole Miss, that's a wrap. We all know that. But we'll see how it play out, man. I think there's still there's still opportunity for them to get right. We'll see. So hey, we'll, uh, go ahead. yeah, one quick thing I want to say: the Mississippi State game is that at Mississippi State or at LSU? Now it's in uh, Star Vegas, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm not saying Mississippi State will win that game, but this new offense, what I'm excited, a lot of people are excited to see, it's so much more balanced. And so they're going to get people, they're going to be better than some people think. And I if heard, they beat LSU, I won't be surprised. But this offense, I'm telling you, is going to be so much more balanced. And their OC, who came from App State, he was also at Central Michigan for a while, he's a guy who I want Memphis to look at. Um, if they get rid of South, uh, Silverfield because he's known for his efficient offenses. And I'm really excited to see Mississippi State's offense this year. Okay. I mean, I heard it was going to be an issue for them to adapt because it's like they're they're still using air raid, like talent, talent that's built for air, the air raid into a new system, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, number two, we're going to look at uh, what went down this past Monday night. With another blue blood, Clemson got overwhelmed by a a blue blood basketball school, the Duke Blue Devils. I think not not what happened in down at uh in a forward on Saturday. I think what went down on Monday night in Durham was like the biggest shocker of the week, and it's not being talked about enough, you know, because of course pride which we're going to talk about later in the program, but Duke, man, how do you lose to Duke? Bro? How do you lose to a basketball school, bro? And then you get, like, Clemson just got overworked out there, man. It just overwhelmed 28 to 7. And, you know, you, you say that, people say that your boy was the problem. DJ, Ugalari. I'm going to call him and say Ugalari. DJ Ugalari was the problem, but this guy, K. Klubik, whatever his call, his name is, K. Klubik, he's not even better. He's not much better. So, with that being said, is this overreact? Is it fair to overreact to this? Or not over? Not overreact? But chill for, for a minute. Uh, yeah, I'll take this Go. one first. It all depends on what your expectations for Clemson are. If you expect them to be a national contender, then um, I'm going to be sad. That's not happening. But if you accept them to potentially win the ACC, I could see that. Um, I think a lot of people are saying this is more about Clemson. I think this is more about Duke. Mike Elko is one hell of a coach, and I don't know how Duke, how long Duke is going to be able to hold on to him because he's primed to make a big jump. Uh, obviously, we all know who Kevin Johns is with that offense. He did a solid job there. Uh, their defense was really solid. Duke is just a really well-run program. And um, I think this is more about how obviously Clemson will have to be much better on offense. Um, it's just one game, so I don't want to react. But I think this game told me more about Duke than about Clemson. Um, and there's this narrative, and I'm glad you brought it up. I don't, I've heard a lot of people say that DJ Youngalele got a lot of the blame. What I think, this is the way I look at the criticism. He He got some criticism, but I think, it all depends on your expectations. If you expected Clemson to be a national contender, then no, he wasn't good enough. But 
compete for the ACC, yeah, he was good enough to be that guy. And so I think it all depends on your expectations for Clemson. Um, and then D and the one thing about DJ, if you fire your OC, clearly it's not just the QB that's the problem. It's the offense that's the problem. And I really wish if Dabo Sweeney could elaborate more on what he said about he brought Garrett Riley to run the Clemson offense. I hope that's not true. And I hope Garrett Riley didn't just come here to do that because it kind of defeats the purpose of what he was brought there to do. And so it's just one game. I think the offense will be better. Kate Klubnick will have to play much better. Uh, but this game really told me more about Duke and Mike Elko and the program he's built there. Hold up. Hold up. I knew it. I knew it. Duke, man, look, it's simple. It's simple math. Look, Duke had the best quarterback on the field. I knew watching, no, I knew going into the game, look, I picked Duke. And I ain't trying to, you know, be braggadocious and that like that. You know, just a little. I just want to remind y'all, you know what I'm saying, DB out of respect, you know, love and respect. But let's get to the yeah, game. DB. I knew one minute into the game, two minutes to max, Duke is going to wipe the floor with them. I didn't think they'd blow them out, but I said, okay, at least a seven to 10 point victory. Didn't, didn't see 21 points. But you know what? People are aren't lack of Clemson's at red zone woes. Do y'all know how many times Clemson got to inside Duke's five yard line? It's some crazy yeah. issue. Like, no, yeah. Clemson was moving the ball. Like, I will give them – that's what people aren't talking about. Clemson moved the ball on Duke. They – Will Shipley had one heck of a game. He was playing his heart out. Over 100 yards rushing was their leading receiver. He played his butt off for Clemson. Clemson – and they had the other run, running back, real dark-skinned brother. I can't – it's like my – I forgot his name, but y'all know what I'm talking about. He, he was the other running back, dark-skinned yeah. brother. He was doing his thing too. Was a sledgehammer. Clemson has talent. Maybe they was in there. They, I think they was in there at least. They got three times with the Duke's five yard line. Couldn't get it right. in. Well, except for what it went, the one pass from Klubin to Shipley, but you couldn't get it in. So what told the tale for them was lack of red zone execution, turnovers, um, bad timing of on their turnovers, like the one when they got the one. What was the one when they fumbled it and, and the Duke guy ran back in early in the fourth quarter? Yeah. That was when the, mm -hmm. I, they were a lot of scoring drives they just couldn't finish those. Because you could make an argument, though. If Clemson had finished those scoring drives, they beat Duke soundly. Yeah. Easy. But I just feel like you could, but also you got to give Riley Leonard, who is Josh Allen's younger brother. I just found that out earlier today. I'm just, I'm just playing. But, you know, that's what he looks like. I, he looks like Josh Allen, man. 98, 100 yards rushing, almost 200 yards passing. That guy's legit. And if you want to get to a solid ACC defense, you know Dabo has that team ready. So I'm not going to blame Clemson, you know, because they lost to a, a team, a Duke team that won nine games. And, and, Brian, I disagree with you when you said Brian Elko might leave. You're in the ACC. What do you – what like, come on, where is he going to leave and go to? A bigger uh, SEC school, a Big Ten school. A smart big time school was going Shoot, if Texas AM can get rid of Jimbo, I would go after Mike Elko. Mike Elko is one hell of a coach. I think some people um, don't realize it because 
they just it's funny his he came from he was at Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and then went to AM. And Jimbo said the reason why he hired Mike Elka, his defenses gave him a lot of trouble when he was at Wake Forest. When Jimbo was at Florida State and Elka was at Wake Forest. And so Mike Elko, Ivy League grad, I think he went to Penn. He's a really, really good coach. And I hope I, I would love for him to stay at Duke, but some big school is gonna be called. And uh it's only a matter of time before he gets it in. Kevin Johns, I'll be stunned if he's not a head coach within if it's not this offseason, the following offseason. Shoot, who knows? He may take if Mike Elko leaves, he may take over after him. But keep an eye on Northwestern and Indiana. I think he gets one of those jobs if they come open. Obviously, Northwestern's open. But uh uh yeah, I'm happy for it. I am too. Everybody involved with Duke Jet program. And they're a good story. They're a really good story. Like that's what and I know I know the top of DB was Clemson, but you can't help but talk about not talk about Duke, man. They're just one heck of a story. Like got an underdog team. Like, 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 it, it, going into this game, we knew about Cleve Plug and we knew about Riley Leonard, but who else did we really know about besides Riley Leonard? Nobody, nobody, I didn't know about Duke. Dogs, like, Derek, like, DB, like, 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 this isn't Grant Hill, like the Le- Christian Leitner dude, like, you know, the basketball. We, we know the legends, Duke don't have that many great football legends, like, at all. But they're no names making play. They were no <laughs> DB. They were no names that made plays. That's what they were, and that's why they won on Monday. Yeah, man. Look, yeah, you can say that. I mean, it, it comes in, man. I, I expect Clemson to win that game, bro. This game just it came down to lack of execution and turnovers, man. They had a lot of opportunities to put up points on Duke. You know, and Duke at one point in the game was give it was it was throwing the game away in my opinion. You know, but Clemson would get the ball and do the same thing. So time started to wind down. Duke started to capitalize on the mistakes, and that was a wrap. And that's how you pretty much beat a blue bud power five heavyweight. If you make mistakes, you gotta take advantage of it. If you don't take advantage of it, give it right back to them. They're going to capitalize and win. But on that night, Duke got the best of Clemson. Um, so along with LSU, they got one loss, and their big their, their next big game is against, um, you know, Florida State. So that pretty much the season will be online by that, by that time. And if they do that in that game, that will be a wrap for Clemson this season, but we'll see how they play out, you know, first week one, and they got time to regroup. They got time to regroup. You see you see the stuff again, and they went, but they barely went. They'll get blown out by Florida State. So there's that. All right, number three. We all know about this, man. Coach Prime says the social media blaze on Sunday, on Saturday afternoon, by defeating national champion. Well, I won't even call him national champion, but call him college football playoff finalist, runner up, second place, TCU Horn Frogs by score 45 42. Deion Sanders' son, Shadur Sanders, over 500 yards passing. I believe he had four touchdowns. Um, Travis Hunter had over 100 yards receiving. 
played both sides of football. Um, just a, a good effort all the way around. Shocked the world. People were shocked um, about what happened. You, you beat TCU and all that. And for this, I won't say an overaction at all. But you got. I will say this though. Let's not forget it's TCU. It's TCU. It's not put me putting Brian down or anything like that. It's, it's, it's TCU. It plays in the big. They play in the Big Twelve. And if you look at what happened last year with TCU, even though they got back to the, they got to the Big Twelve championship game. They got to the CFP, but down the stretch. TCU's defense had regressed, had regressed. The defense had fallen, fallen off. They couldn't stop the run and they struggled against the pass in the big last year, going down the stretch. They were able to survive in some of those games, in a lot of those games, you know, and the flag hasn't been fixed. You know, they, I knew, I knew in that game, they was going to wake up. This kind of started off kind of sluggish in regards to that offense. And they get picked it up. Start putting up points like they always do. But TC uh, Colorado got the best of them at the end. You know, so I won't call this an overreaction. You know, and I want to see what it looks like for Coach Prime when it's this when it's, when it's some uh, adversity. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying I was I didn't believe in anything like that. I, I, I didn't I never said anything like that. Never wrote anything about Colorado. I only knew about Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and Dion. I didn't know anything about that roster till this past Saturday. Didn't know anything about that team, that program, other than that. But I'm impressed, you know, and I'm impressed by, you know, how Dion is more – Dion just look like a – to me, he's a, a more well-rounded coach because a lot of coaches that, you know, just in general, former players, are just coaches that have been coaching a long time, they got like a – a specialty, something that they're good at. You know, it's just like, well, this coach is good at defensive. He's good at developing DBs. This coach good at D linemen. You know, quarterbacks. Deion look like look like Deion is more well rounded. He's more. I think he's more. He's embraced what it is to have to have a high powered offense. So, press by Deion, man. What y'all got? Uh, I'll go real quick. He's more of a CEO coach. That. What? Yeah, oh, that? you heard me. A CEO coach. That's what you just described right there. Um, but yeah, I, I like what you said about being interested to see what happens when Colorado faces adversity, and they face some adversity. But what if you're down? I don't think they were ever down uh two scores. How would they handle that? And this week is gonna be very, very interesting because Nebraska should have beat Minnesota. I don't know if y'all had a chance to watch that game. Man, watch that game. Yeah, but Nebraska should have won that game. So Nebraska, they, they got something to prove this week. And this week's going to be interesting because it's a rivalry game. Big Noon Cookoff will be there. And how does Colorado handle expectations? Because we see, we we watch college football to now. You can win one week and think you're all that and lose the next week. And so it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Colorado ha- handles being the hunted last week they were the hunter now they're going to be the hunted and let's see how they handle it um and it's a home opener so obviously you don't want to lose that but um 
I'll, I'll probably uh, lean to. We'll, we'll talk about this later, but until we'll we'll in the next part, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's gonna be very interesting to watch, and I'll definitely keep my eyes on this game. For me. Coach, this 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 show this welcome to college football moment. This was the welcome everybody wanted to see this game. Colorado proved that they belong. People were saying, even people on this podcast were saying they'd be lucky to win four or five games this year. You know, um, people were saying I was laughed at. People told me I said I felt like Colorado had a chance to win and that they would win. TCU just would be the better team. This is why we don't judge teams based off off-season projections. And this is why rankings don't really mean much if you really keep it a book with it. Like, Dion saw that the last year's team had a losing stench. That's why they got 80-plus new players. Because the, the losing stench, you won one game. Like, y'all can't tell me. People were saying, the people, a lot of people had questions, and it's understandable how this team would mesh together with 80-some new players. Well, shoot. You got so much. You can't help but get better if you get rid of – you had – out of all the starters they had, they had the one – I ain't try to be racist to that, but, you know, one white – one linebacker. The one white linebacker they had. He was the only guy that they had left hold over from last year's defense that started. And uh, another guy that they tried to highlight, Shiloh Sanders had uh, – Dion's other son had 10 tackles. Yeah. Too, so, um, shout out to him too. But um, he played really well. Um Boy, what, what Colorado did with that offense with Dylan Edwards, Dylan Edwards, that guy is going to be – he's only a freshman. That's a freshman running back. He's going to be a freaking stud for the next however long he plays. If Coach Prime's there, that guy's going to be there. He's going to – he was very impressive. He, he, obviously, we know what Travis Hunter did do, man. That You go in 100-plus snaps, man. And Brian said – I think Brian was saying this, this is not sustainable – but I think they're gonna have it to where they set him up right. He can he can do hundred steps every game. I think he's gonna do it every game. They need him. He's important. He's valuable. And we know what Shadir can do. DB. People are saying this was Shadir's welcome to college football moment. Have you not been watching the last two years? The man's been on TV. Every time you watch a black, you see a HBCU game. It last two years it was Jackson State on TV. So we've been knowing he can play. It was the FBS questions, FCS questions, and he says the only difference is, is the, the 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 defensive lineman after you have to scramble. And I believe that he's played in both levels now, so he can say that. So Colorado just proved that they're a legit program. They have conference championship expectations that, that I think that they can have. They play. They people are thinking that USC talking about Oregon, talking about Washington, talking about. I, and I pick Washington to win the Pac-12. But I ain't gonna lie, I'm kind of I'm kind of scared now because Colorado is, is creeping up on them like TLC. So they creeping up on them, TB. So I'm scared. I'm scared. But I, great thing. My this is my last thing. Great things are are headed for this program if they keep everything going. I think they can beat Nebraska. I think Nebraska showed nothing. I wasn't impressed at all by the by performance against, against Minnesota. It was nasty, and I like Jeff Sims, but I didn't see anything. Well, that was worth me, you know, getting excited about. So I'm going to go with Colorado by two touchdowns as a home opener. Coach Prime has that team locked and loaded. They go to 2-0. Then I think they beat Nebraska. All right, man. <laughs> All right, man. 
All right, so <laughs> yeah, man. Good game, bro. It was a good game. I was impressed myself, man. I'll be I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was impressed by what I saw with Colorado, the way they, you know, they fought fought back against TCU. But September 30th, man, it's gonna be a movie, bro. They play USC. Caleb Williams, I believe it's at the Coliseum. I think. I think it's in, it's in uh, LA against the USC. It's at so, Colorado. Is that Colorado? Oh man, because yeah, I was saying like it was at in the Coliseum. Probably would have had the movie stars out there, man. I could see Snoopy and <laughs> all that. Yeah. Everybody. But it should be that should be a good game, man. But we'll see how it play out, man. Just week one, man. I just I'm gonna talk about it in the next part, but the game, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, it may be crazy this week, even more crazy, but we'll see. All right, moving right along. Last topic, last one. Number four, the Florida Gators, man. They open up the season, the week one of the 2023 season against Utah. Now, this last year, the game was at Gainesville, and Utah pretty much had that game in the bag until what had, what went down. Florida came back and won it with Anthony Richardson. It's crazy to look at how Florida now and realize how good Anthony Richardson was because without him, man, just – Grizz Grant Mertz, what's his name? Grant Mertz, Florida's QB. It is like a whole different ball club. But Florida lost to Utah again, 24-11, at down in uh, Salt Lake to the uh, Utah UEs, whatever it's called. And for this, man, this is worth overreacting to, bro. This game is worth overreacting to because – Billy Napier, man, I keep saying this. I keep saying this, but it just – I don't see it, man. They, they might be looking for another pro coach, bro. He just – he ain't that guy, bro. He, he's like he, – he might be Clay Helton. It just – at these type of places, it's too big, man. And I know he had a really good recruiting class and all that, but you don't put it together on the field, bro. You don't – you're not going to survive, man. But if this – if he keeps this up, bro, they could be – he could be out of there because Utah – Florida had the chance to win that game. They really did. But to me, this is a word overreacting to. What y'all thoughts on? Uh, I'll go short and sweet. I think they'll give Billy Napier one more year. That being said, don't let this year be a disaster because even though I think they'll give him at least one more year, if it's a disaster, he could be gone. Um, yeah, they, they got to just figure it out in all three phases. That's what you got to do take it, get better every day, and go from there. But, uh, man, the one that I'll say, this Dan, the way Dan Mellon left it, it was going to take time to rebuild that program, and he's slowly trying to do that. But uh, he better figure it out quickly, because if not, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll be out of there. Go ahead, Leo. Man, yeah, Florida – Graham Mercy ain't it. You can tell. Like, I just can tell. He don't have an instinct. Like, he don't have that quarterback that wants to win instinct. And I know he did good at Wisconsin, whatever, but uh, if he did good, I don't know. Well, Paul Chris got fired on this BF reason, but he should be a head coach somewhere. But it's not a hit noise there. Um, Graham Mertz ain't it. And I could just tell early. Because he's going to struggle in Utah, who was at the top of him. He's, SEC's vulture is going to eat him up. They're going to eat him up. Georgia, they have no line bad, man. Yeah, the bad lines are bad. 
Utah's a legit defense, though. I'll give them credit, though. Yeah. But Florida don't have no playmakers outside of uh, – what's his name? What's number one? Prisco? What's his name? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They got – got... Nah. ETN, yeah. He number four, but I'm talking about number one, though, uh, the white dude. Number one, That's the white dude. I don't, I don't even know. But I anyways. Don't know anyways. That well. Anyways. Um, I feel that they struggled a lot on the lines. They don't have that many play. That's the problem. We don't have. They don't have many playmakers right there. Like they don't have. They don't have a quarterback who I feel like can. Send. They thought Graham was going to be the guy. He played. He had three hundred thirty-three passing yards, which is not bad. It's actually pretty damn good. But you know, a lot of them was they was playing from behind and whatnot. Uh, Pearsall, that's his name. Pearsall. Yeah, Ricky Pearsall. Yeah. Ricky Pearsall. Pearsall. Yeah, and eight catches for 92 yards, not bad either. But, you know, they, they just felt like Utah defense was being not break with the passing yards, and really they didn't get much going at all. But shout out to Utah's uh, backup quarterbacks who played like they were starters. You had a running quarterback, you had a passing quarterback. That's really the great – that's a great backup quarterback system. Like how you have they got a quarterback that can run, they got a quarterback that can they look like the Baltimore Ravens out there with the backup quarterbacks, how good they were for real though. Like salute to them and uh hopefully um what's his face is back, Risner, wait, rising, rising. Back, rising is back. But uh if, they're, if he's not ready, I wouldn't rush it because they can beat Baylor with that. No disrespect to Baylor, they just lost to Texas State. Yeah. And uh, they can be they can beat Baylor with the two system quarterback if, if Rising has to sit out just for you know his, you know. Think longevity, not thinking short term. Right. So they're good enough to beat Baylor without him. So if he can't play, they're, they're in good hands. But if he can, great. But Florida, like you said, Billy Napier is is a guy who I think is uh, – we were talking about this. In the, they, is he another Willie Taggart? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think – <laughs> no, they was writing a story on it. Like, we were writing a story on it. They were smart writing a story on it. Is he another – they were comparing, like, him, his success to Willie Taggart's success in Florida State. And, yeah. and they have very similar records, you know, really neither guy beat anybody of significance at the time. And so, you know, but Willie Tag, I was going to say this, Billy Napier, some guys are just small-time coaches. They take big jobs. Like, I feel like Billy Napier is a small school coach who took a big job when it came to him. And right. there's a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys, like, like I thought Mike Novell was there too his first two years. And you, you, you with, with legitimate reason, the team sucked with him. <laughs> for the same yeah. with Mike Novell, like Earl. people, just, people just assume now Mike Novell just just is you know this this godsend, but for the state yeah. wanted him gone. So Billy Napier, he may be have he may you know I think he's a he, he'll be perfect. I ain't gonna lie, and I don't like talking about Brian Silverfield replacement, but I ain't gonna lie. If Florida got rid of him, Memphis would take him. They take him. Yeah, yeah, he would. They would. <laughs> they, they take, would take him. him. They they would. Would. He's from they Tennessee would. too. I think he's from Cookville. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With Billy Napier, I I don't like the Willie Tiger comparison. I think he's a better coach than Willie Tiger, but I understand it. Um, I'm willing to give him a year three. But the one thing I will say, I'm not sure if well, I want to know y'all's thoughts on this, if Florida was ever the best fit for him. Like, I thought if he would take a big job, maybe it would be LSU, maybe be another SEC no. school. But I never thought – I never thought Florida was the right fit for him. No, like, LSU not LSU not the right for him fit for him either, man. I, I, he might, like Leo said, he might be a small school coach, man. Like, 
He may be another Clay Helton, bro. Not not Willie Taggart, but Clay Helton, where he he won certain games. He won certain games, but like the big stuff, nah. Clay Helton won a Rose Bowl, didn't he? Clay Helton won the Rose Bowl with Sam Darnold. Yeah. So people act like they never have like every time people talk about Clay Helton as a bad coach, like did he win a Rose? Clay Helton had a stack Ross that year. See, what did he do without Sam Darnold? Yeah. I think he had a uh, Juju Smith Juicer too. Yeah. In 2017. The thing about yeah. being at mm-hmm. USC, you're going to have talent there. It's like yeah, a, Ronald you're going to have talent. And so he couldn't get that talent where it needed to go. And so he he would be an okay um, fit at Memphis. I know another touch for another day. But I, I, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer you can find someone better than him. Or I'd rather you go with a, a really hot young assistant than Clay Helton. It's just to me, I'd rather keep Silverfield than hire Clay Helton. That's just me. Yeah. All right, man. All right, last thing. Bonus question. Bonus question. Tomorrow, NFL kickoff. Who you got? Detroit Lions, Kansas City Chiefs. Go. Jared Goff gets it done. He he proves that he can he's he, last year's no fluke. That Travis Kelsey, him them not having him is huge. Is it, Chris Jones too. Who Richie Jones? Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris, no, yeah, no Chris Jones unless he gets a, unless he uh gets his money tonight. It, <laughs> it, ain't, happening. <laughs> it, it ain't happening. Respectfully, it ain't happening. So I think the Detroit Lions get a job there. Jameer Gibbs with a huge game. At least set. I think he gets seventy to eighty yards receiving. I think uh, Armin Ra gets a hundred. Golf goes for two us. Uh, 285 to 300, and then Dave Montgomery was a touchdown. And I think the Chiefs, the Lions' new secondary, who added a lot of people, they added some pieces in that secondary with Emmanuel Mosley from the uh, 49ers. They get the job done. They hold Mahomes to 250. And I say hold him because <laughs> he can get 400 if he wanted to. And no lead is safe, bro. No lead is safe with him. But I picked, I picked the Detroit Lions to win in the thriller, 35 to uh, 35. To uh, twenty eight, I'm going with the Lions. All right. I'm going with the Kansas Chiefs to get it done, and then the reason I say that is because as long as you got one five Patrick Mahomes, you got Andy Reid. Everybody else, I'm not putting nobody down. I'm not putting anybody down or anything like that. But everybody else is like expendable, man. Everybody else is movable. As long as you got a coach in QB, they can get it done. It won't be easy. Uh, with you know, not that you got you don't have Chris Jones out there. Yeah, Travis Kelsey may not go or not, but it won't be easy. But Mahomes will get it done some type of way, dinking and dunking to these wide receivers and get a victory. So I'm going with the Chiefs to win tomorrow. What you got, Brian? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll be the tiebreaker. I'll go with the Chiefs. I think the Lions will. Make things interesting, but I it's hard to bet against Patrick Holmes and um, the Chiefs' offense. And I think the defense will be better than people think. Will they be the same without Chris Jones? No, but they'll be better than people think. And uh, I just give them the edge at home. If this was being played in Detroit, I'd maybe pick the Lions, but I like the Chiefs. But I wouldn't mind seeing Detroit pull on offsets. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. I said, I, all right, so we have for y'all for right now. Give us a like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Let us know how you feel. This is just through Apple, Spotify, 
um, Anchor, give us a five-star rating, leave a review. Check out StrikeZoneSports.com for his content on the NFL, the NBA, and much more. Have a blessed night. Peace. We'll be back. We out.